Psalms 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen rage, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolation he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. He be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. God is our refuge. Verse, verse there in that psalm. He is where we can find safety. He is the rock that will not move. Just this past week, I was visiting with an older man, and he was telling me how he likes to go up north into the Boundary Waters canoe area in the wilderness of Minnesota. And he said they go back the Gunflint Trail all the way to the end, and then they go back even another seven lakes from that point. And he was telling me that he's been up there a few times, and he was relating some uh, stories, and he mentioned that one time when they were up there, a very powerful storm came up on them, and uh, they have lots of big trees up there, and he said it was their instincts, their instinct to go to their tents. And he said what he thought was the best place to go was to the rock. He said on the trail there was this huge rock. And he said that's where he advised everybody to go. And so they all went to the rock and hunkered down there, protected from the storm, and Trees, it sounded like trees were falling around, all around them. And uh, the idea was, the rock isn't going to move. If a tree was going to fall, the rock was going to at least offer some protection at them not being smashed flat. And he said, fortunately, none of their tents were hit. There was some big trees that fell pretty close to them. So I thought of that uh, as we think of God is our refuge and strength, our rock. You know, there's a lot that can happen around us, but it's as we come to Him where we can get protection. Also in these verses, it seems to allude to the earth quaking. Have any of you ever been in an earthquake? One hand. I always thought it would be kind of fun. Yolanda's shaking her head no. 
And I would probably have to agree that it would be, it would be alarming. The foundation that, that you are on is now moving. It's not stable. We had the privilege of visiting a park in Alaska that's known as Earthquake Park. Back in 1964, there was a quake that hit there and it lasted for four minutes and it measured 9.2 on the Richter scale. It is probably the largest earthquake that has ever been recorded in North America. And that was, that happened on March 27th, Good Friday. And there at that park, um, you overlook into the, be like the bay of the ocean, and it's just this mucky looking dirt down there. And my understanding is that there was an, actually an entire community that actually slid into the ocean or into the water. But from that quake, there was only nine that died, but there was 131 total deaths and that was due to the tsunami that was affected by that. So as this psalm talks about the waters roaring, all the way down to California, there was 13 that died from that tsunami. It's real disturbing to have the ground that you stand on shake. It's not solid anymore. Looking at 4 and 5, it seems to maybe tie in a little bit with what Davy was talking about in Sunday school and his the little bit of the background of Jeremiah. It talks about there's a river and a stream there other shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the most high. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. Commentaries would suggest that this was God's deliverance of Israel from the Assyrians. And this would have been during the days of King Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had built an underground water system that had connected the spring of Gideon to Kindron to the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem. So if you think about the contrast, the oceans and seas raging and roaring and, and foaming, here in the city of Jerusalem, the water is quiet. It's peaceful. I actually had the privilege of walking through that tunnel when we were in the Middle East. I think it took us about a half hour to start from one end to the other. Then the latter part of the psalm talks about the nations, the nation of God being exalted above the heathen nation. Where I want to pull my thought from this morning is verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. This verse stood out to me the week that Christy was in the hospital. And someone had drew up this neat little illustration. It's too, too much for me to draw on the board. But I'll try to give you a mental picture. So if you take this verse and be still, divide it into three sections. So you have be still and know I am God. And then underneath that, 
they used words to describe be still and then a know that what God is. So we're going to look at that this morning. What does it mean to be still? What comes to my mind is to stop moving. Be quiet. Sit down. That may be part of the meaning, but let's see if there is more meaning to what be still is. Other translations would include stop fighting, stop striving. The Greek language mentions to be unoccupied or to stand empty. The injunction to be still is not giving a restrict, a restrictive, it's not to restrict the mobility of God's people. But instead it's a duty represents a spiritual disposition that ought to characterize those whom God, God's unfailing promises have been given. So in other words, to be still doesn't handicap us. But it gives us a disposition. The command be still forces us to think of two things. And that is that we are finite and that God is infinite. There is a lot of noise. Sometimes there's too much noise. Maybe there's too much movement. Too much excitement. That is, or those are the things that can rob us of our focus of God. There's a quote by William Penn. I'm going to read it. In the rush and noise of life, as you have intervals, step home within yourself and be still. Wait upon God and feel his good presence. This will carry you even through your days of business. Be still. Pause. Reflect. I'd like to look at an Old Testament example in Exodus 14. Verse 13. This is the story of the children of Israel and how they had made their great exodus from the land of Egypt were on their way to Canaan to worship God. They came to an obstacle, and that obstacle was the Red Sea. In Exodus 14, verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still. Notice the stand still. 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again. No more forever. Sometimes in life we're cruising along and we come to an obstacle. We come to, we might think, a dead end. Or we could call it a cul-de-sac. You know what a cul-de-sac is? We live in town, you would know what that is. It's a dead-end street. There's no through street. You basically have to go back out the way you came in. All around is houses. The children of Israel were in this position. They had mountains on each side. They had the Red Sea in front of them. And the army, the Egyptian army, was in hot pursuit behind them. So physically, it looked impossible. What was the response of the people, the children of Israel? Well, let's back up. Verse 11. And they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, have thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not this the word that we did tell? Is this, let me start over. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. How quick were they to jump to criticism, to start blaming Moses? How quick are we sometimes to jump to criticize others for our problems or our obstacles that we think are our problems. Now, I like Moses' response, and we already read that there in verse 13. Verse 14, The Lord shall fight for you, and he shall hold, and ye shall hold your peace. Moses was not swayed by the criticism of the people. They're questioning why they were where they were. But he said, look, behold, something great is going to happen. There's a path that God is going to lead you on. We all have a path that the Lord has charted for us. I'm convinced of that. I believe that. There is nothing too great or too small for the Lord. Sometimes we have paths that fall into pleasant places. And sometimes we have paths that may be difficult. Each of you this morning have a special and personal path that God is leading you on. You know, it's easy to be like the children of Israel and to think about and to think back to all the fun things, the good food, the good times. And, you know, that's what develops into 
a critical attitude because we're not getting what we think we may deserve. Or instead, shall we be like Moses and put our faith and strength in an almighty God who can give us the strength to move forward? That is when we will see the salvation of the Lord. This condition of being still is an emptying of myself and my desire to fix my own problem. I think sometimes we get so busy, we like to fix our own problems. You know, there there may be a place for us to fix a problem. But there's a difference. And I think that difference lies with, are we doing it in our own strength? Or are we doing it in the strength of the Lord? Sometimes we come in in our own strength and we start slashing, we start cutting, and then we start taping, and then we start gluing, and we try to fix the problem. To be still and let God do His work is paramount. God's work is going to be the only work that will last and stand the test of time. I picture myself standing before God with my head bowed, my arms and hands hanging limp, my shoulder hunched forward, whispering to God, I got nothing. That is when the Lord can say, I am ready to work. All our worries, anxieties can come to rest and God can begin to work and we can behold the salvation. Turn to Psalms 62. Verse 5 and 6. My soul waiteth thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Then there's a verse in Isaiah 40. Verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. The strength that we can have when we be still. Second phrase of be still and know that I am God. And that is, and know Stop doubting. Be sure. Have faith. 
No second opinion. To know God means that we must acknowledge, recognize, admit that God really is God overall. The spiritual calm to know does not come from a lack of troubles. It derives from a steady, deep reflection on the way God has intervened in history on behalf of His people. The verse in Romans 15 Romans 15.4 For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So when your world crumbles around you, The call from the scripture is don't flinch in faith in God. Stand still. Not because of a self-made confidence. Not because you're so good at being composed. Not because you have experienced and seen it all. But be still and know about God. It is it is God's past that provides calm for our future. Know that He is God. Know it. Not merely just intellectually, but practically, spiritually. And emotionally, He is your God. He is the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth, all power creator of the whole universe. Do you know God? Or do you just know about Him? I'd like us to think of another example, and that is the story of Job. Job was an upstanding man. He has a man, he was a man of lots of wealth, possessions, and family, and members, family members, and friends. Yet in a matter of days, Job's world was turned completely upside down. You know, he lost everything except his life and his wife. He ended up sitting in ashes, covered in sores, scratching, itching, himself with broken pieces of pottery. Then three of his friends came and tried to comfort him. When the the conversations finally began, Job declared his innocence before God and that he had been treated unjustly. His His friends insisted that he was obviously guilty or why would he have received such a harsh treatment from God. 
You see, their idea conflicted with Job's. Was Job right or were they right? Either Job knew God or they knew God. What happened to Job was a result of Satan's accusation that Job feared God because God gave him good things. And God took the challenge because he knew Job and Job knew him. God was confident in Job that he wouldn't turn away or else why would he have done it? But he allowed the afflictions to come upon Job and to test Job. And Job passed with flying colors. His friends thought they knew God. They were sure that Job's afflictions were due to Job's sin. After all, God is the judge. And Job insisted that he had done nothing wrong. He didn't know why he had been afflicted, but he was sure that it was not because of the judgment of sin. Personal relationships are born of personal experiences. Let's look at Job's response. Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42, verses 5 and 6. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen thee. Before I abhor myself and repented, repent in dust and ashes, dust and ashes. Job knew God, and God knew Job, but I believe Job knew God a little bit more after that experience. We need to let God work in us, that we, as we get to know Him, through the experiences that we may face, that we understand and get to know God more. We need to let God's word penetrate into our life, just like we like food. We need to desire it. We want to feed on it. Do we get hungry? What do we feed on? How do we engage in a relationship with God? We must get to know Him. Make Him Lord of your life. Engage in prayer. Listen to His response. This is how we engage in a relationship with God. Keep your eyes open to see Him revealed 
and how he how he will reveal himself in different ways. What does his word say? Walk with him daily. Trust him in all circumstances. Surrender to him everything. Your personal desires and wills. Let it swallow up into his. This is the key to knowing God. Deeply. You know, we may never have the answers for the troubles that we may face. Like Job. But I believe we can have the confidence as we get to know God that maybe we don't need to have the answers, but that we can trust Him. Knowing God is absolutely the greatest, most important thing that we can attain to and achieve. If we want happiness in life, Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 use this verse yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ notice the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul wasn't a loser. He didn't hit rock bottom with nowhere else to go. He wasn't turning from a life of failure and counting that it all be considered as manure. He was actually a very educated person. There was actually people that were trying to be like him. Paul was, when writing of this verse, would have been a born-again Christian for some time. And he understood what it meant to know God. And that what he knew of God created him even more of wanting to know God. last part but be still and know that I'm God and that is I'm God I'd like to reflect on the attributes of God God is infinite he is self-existing without origin. No beginning, no ending. That is who God is. God is immutable, never changing. God is self-sufficient. He has 
no needs. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omniscience. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He is always everywhere. God is wise. He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. God is faithful. God is good. Unchanging, unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. God is just. Perfect. What he does is perfect. God is merciful. He's compassionate. He's kind. God is gracious. Spares the guilt that I deserve. God is loving. Unchanging love toward us. Dave, you mentioned in Sunday school about God. Maybe still at that time when the children would have repented, would have maybe changed. How is that possible? God is holy. And God is glorious. Our God who is exalted and worshipped among the nations, is also the Lord of the armies. And the God of Jacob, there has never been a time when God was not. There will never be a time when God is not. He is Lord even over time. And He is powerful, commanding angel armies. And best of all, our powerful and unchanging God is with us. And He is for us. And He is our stronghold. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 Know therefore that the that the Lord thy God he is God the faithful God which keepeth the covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations the promise we have that God is going to keep His covenant if we keep His commandments. From the big events to the small events of our life, God has His hand in them. I was reflecting how God has kept us safe. And it's amazing. Because on Friday, we had a little mishap that could have been dis- could have been devastating. Malia was doing some baking, and there was a plastic crate with some blankets on top of our freezer in the garage. And beside the freezer in the garage is a stove. Well, in her 
moving the plastic crate with blankets over so that she could get in the freezer. She set that on the stove. She set it down and then came in and uh, we were in the house for lunch. And all of, all of a sudden, Christy's like, where's my phone? And if it hadn't been for that, I don't know how long it would have been till we would have discovered that this plastic crate with blankets was burning on top of the stove. Literally burning. Fire. Fire flames shooting up. She thought she left her phone laying out on top of the washer in the garage, and that's where she went. Of course, the boys went with her, and Brendan comes in and tells me, there's a fire in the garage. I'm like, yeah, right. No, serious, there's a fire in the garage. Okay. I go out there, and of course, Christy has got it under control. By that time, the crate is still burning, but it's at least on the concrete floor. What I say to say this is that, you know, if that had been any another minute or two, or however long, the back wall could have been burning, and we could have been in the house. Unbeknownst to us, that half of the house could have been burning for a while. But God prompted something, I think, to make us move. And another example I, I thought of was we were down in Rochester at Mayo Clinic and this was another fire. I don't know why it has to always be fire. Maybe God moves in fires. We know he does. But Malia, on a whim, decided to drive out to the barns and I don't think at that time she knew why she had to go, but she went and she goes out and here there's smoke coming out of the barn. And she, of course, FaceTimes me and says, this is, is this supposed to be happening? And I'm like, no. Well, here we had hay stacked in there, and it had been probably a good month to six weeks that hay finally decided to burn. Had she not been prompted to go out, could have lost the barn, calves in it, I believe God has his hand of protection and moves in mysterious ways. You know, I think sometimes we just have to stand still and know God. God is our refuge and strength, a present, a present help in trouble. Therefore will not I fear, though the earth do change. Change is going to happen. The earth is going to change. But God is not going to change. Be still and know that I'm God.